here. I have been looking forward to this Sunday morning for months, literally for months, and um, I'm, I'm glad that it's finally here. And, and it's not just because this is Resurrection Sunday or Easter. That's really not why I've been looking forward to it. Let me tell you why I've been looking forward to it. Way back there, when we first made the decision that I would be preaching through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55 is my favorite chapter. Um, I find my favorite passage in that entire book. So when we made the decision, I was thinking, boy, I can't wait to get to Isaiah 55. And now we're here, and it happens to be on Resurrection Sunday. And I can't think of a better um, Sunday to be able to open this part of God's Word and to hear God give what I think is the greatest invitation in all of Scripture than this morning. So I'm glad that you're here. Because what we're going to see in just a moment, we're going to open up Isaiah 55, and we're going to hear God issue all of us an invitation. I want you to know that I believe that in this room there's three types of people, and hopefully you will find yourself this morning in this passage as, as we unpack this. There's three types of people who will hear this invitation. And I want you to know what the invitation is. God is going to extend to us an invitation to life. God is going to invite you to live at a level that perhaps you've never lived at before. God is going to give you an invitation for what Jesus would say was life and life more abundantly. An, an invitation to have life that's full, life that's meaningful, life that has purpose, um, life that is fulfilling. That's the invitation this morning. And the invitation is going to be heard by three different types of people. But before we even get there, let me tell you this. This invitation, as good as I think it is, means absolutely nothing if you do not believe in the resurrection. If you do not believe that a dead man, literally dead, whose body was in the process of, of decomposing, if you do not believe that this dead man Jesus came back to life, I'm not talking about spiritually or metaphorically. If you do not believe in the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we're all wasting our time. You're wasting your time if you don't believe that. And Scripture even says so. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, here's what Paul says about the resurrection. If Jesus Christ is not resurrected, Paul says, then my preaching is in vain and so is your faith. People often say, well, how do you know you Christians are right? The only reason I'm, I'm going to put my faith in stock in the Christian faith is because of the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then Christianity is no different than any other world religion. But if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, that should be a game changer. I mean, that should change everything, really. A dead person coming back to life. That gives validity to everything that Jesus said. So let me just say this again. You, you know, you might be here and you might be struggling with faith. I, I would imagine there's somebody here struggling. Well, do, do I really believe that? What about this? And why does God allow this? And I just can't envision a God who would let this happen if he really exists and so forth and so on. And maybe you have a ton of questions. I've had my questions before. And maybe you're here and you have your questions and you can't sort it all out. Can I just say to you, I really think there's only one thing you need to sort out, and that's whether or not you believe in the resurrection. 
Because once you swallow that, wow, everything else, is, is, it, it just comes into perspective. So I want to say again, I'm going to open up the Word of God, and God's Word is going to extend a very powerful invitation for every one of us in this room to have life. Real life, not physical life. You're already physically alive. If you're seated next to someone who's not physically alive, let somebody know. You're physically alive, but, but here's the deal. Are you alive on the inside? Does life have meaning and purpose? Are you fulfilled? Are you satisfied? Do you have contentment? Is there this joy and exhilaration about life? Do you really, at the end of the day, regardless of circumstances, can you say, this is really good? I mean, after all, Christians, after all, church, we celebrate good news. So can you say, this news is so good, it's made my life good? That's the question, because what's going to be offered, the invitation, is for life. We look at Isaiah chapter 55. I'm just going to look at the first three verses this morning. God says through, through the prophet, and you, you know when I read this, I can hear Jesus in the New Testament. I have no problem making that leap. I hear Jesus saying, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I have no problem making that, that leap. Here's what we hear God saying to, to people through Isaiah. He says, ho! Now, now it, it, that word means, listen, hey, give me your attention. Hey, you over there. Ho, it's almost like a, a street vendor peddling his wares, you know, or, or the guy at the stadium selling hot dogs. Hot dogs. This is the analogy. God is saying, hey, give me your attention because I've got something you might be interested in. And what I have is life. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money can come, buy, eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance, incline your ear, come to me, listen, that you may Live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Now, the first thing I want you to hear is what God is doing. In those verses, God is saying, look, I want to make you an offer. I want you to come to me. I, I want you to turn to me. I want you to put your trust in me. Because I want you to have life. Now, the way that, that he breaks this down is he says, come, and when you come to me, I'm going to give you three things. I don't know if you noticed this or not. I'm going to give you water, and I'm going to give you milk, and I'm going to give you wine. You can come to me, and you can get water, you can get milk, and you can get wine. And all three of those are, are significant. They're symbolic. Water is that which gives life. Water is that which quenches a thirst. Water is that that keeps us alive. And God says, come to me, come to me, and, and I'll refresh you. I'll renew you. I'll resurrect you. I will give you water. 
living water. I will make you alive. Come, I've got the water. Come to me. But he says, I've also got milk. And, and if you just know anything about Scripture, really, all throughout Scripture, milk is this which gives someone who is alive, it gives them strength. And God says, look, come to me, and not only will I make you alive, I'll make you strong. I'll, I'll make you be able to endure and to, to persevere. I'll make you, I'll, I'll grow you, I'll give you milk and provide you. I will nourish you so you're not going to get blown away when the storms of life come. But he says, I'll also give you not just water and milk, I'll also give you, I'll give you wine. I'll give you that which is used at a celebration. I'll give you that which exhilarates you. I'll give you that which, which delights you. Because God says, and Jesus would say, I'm going to give you life, but not just life. I'll give it to you abundantly. Life that is real. Life that is strong and sure. And life that is exhilarating. Can I ask you whether or not life's exhilarating for you? Can I ask you whether or not that you, that, that you have this joy that scripture speaks of Jesus actually said that when we come to him the fountain of living waters and drink from him we'll have fountains of living water flowing out of us is that true for you do people like to be around you do they like to be around you because you've got this quality of life that just splashes on everybody is that really who you are do people get up ever in the morning and say whoa I can't wait to be around whoever you are and, you, and, 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 and it's kind of humorous, but listen, at the same time, this is who we should be. This is what's being offered. Now, the invitation goes forth. I think it's the greatest invitation in Scripture. Whoever's thirsty, whoever wants to live, whoever wants life, strong life, exhilarating life, just come to me. That's a great invitation. Oh, but listen to who hears that invitation. Whose ears does this message, this invitation, this call, whose ears does it fall upon? I, I want you to think quickly about three different types of people who hear this invitation. And, and they're the same three types of people that are here this morning. You're one of them. I mean, this message from God, this message from a resurrected Savior through the person of the Holy Spirit is working right here this moment today. God has brought you here to hear this invitation. None of us will ever be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know you were offering that. You know why? Because you're here today. He's brought you here. He's brought me here just to hear this, this invitation. So no one can say, I didn't know I was invited. I didn't know I didn't get my invitation. You just got it. The invitation goes out, and the invitation is heard by three very different types of people. You're one of them. You're one of them. The first type is obvious. It's in verse number one. Here it is. Oh, listen, everyone who, what? Thirsts. First group of people who hears this invitation are people who are thirsty. People who are thirsty. Give me some water and ask me to sell it, and I'm looking for thirsty people. Thirsty people are going to buy my water. 
They're thirsty. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. God speaks and appeals to people who were thirsty. That means people who were dry. That means people who on the inside look and they say there's no life here. There's no vitality here. There's no strength here. These are thirsty people. Not only are they thirsty people, they're thirsty broke people. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. The invitation goes out to thirsty people and they're thirsty and they know that they're thirsty and they want something to drink. They're looking for something to satisfy them. They're looking for something. They, they, they have no money, probably because they've exhausted all of their resources trying to find something to satisfy their thirst. How many people are in here this morning and you have exhausted all of your resources trying to find something to satisfy your thirst. Some of you have tried almost everything there is out there. God has brought you here this morning, and you would be the first to say, you better believe it, Jeff. I am thirsty. If this is life, then um, I, I tell you, I don't think a whole lot of it because there's no satisfaction in my heart. There's no satisfaction in my soul. If, if, if God is offering me something else, I'm interested because I'm thirsty. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, being thirsty in this context is not a bad thing. Being thirsty is a very, very good thing because it is God who makes people thirsty. And every person in this room who knows the satisfaction of Jesus Christ, you also know the frustration of being dissatisfied and being thirsty. The invitation is, whoever wants a drink Whoever wants life, whoever wants more than what you've got, come. And some people would have immediately said, that is me. Now, I honestly believe God has brought some people here this morning, and you would say, that's me too. I'm thirsty. Good news. Jesus gives life. Good news. Come by Eat. Listen, that's just biblical terminology for believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus took your place on the cross. Believe that he was resurrected. Believe that he is alive. Believe that nothing else can satisfy and begin to follow him. This is the call. Come, Jesus says, follow me. Believe. Lay everything else aside and follow me and believe. And I will give you life. In fact, he says, I'll make a covenant with you. I'll make a covenant in verse 3, like I did with David. A covenant that says, I will obligate myself to you. Come drink of me. I'll enter into a covenant. I'll obligate myself to you to always keep you satisfied. This is the invitation. And so the people who heard it then, just like people who heard it today, it fell on the ears of some people, and they were thirsty, and they knew it. There's another group of people. This, this passage reminds us of this second group in verse number two. This group of people who, who aren't thirsty, but neither are they satisfied. They aren't thirsty. They're not going to stop. Someone saying, hey, anybody want what I've got? <laughs> They're going to keep walking. 
The first group's going to stop. If you're offering something that will satisfy me, yes. But the second group, they're not thirsty. They're not going to stop. But even though they're not thirsty, they're not satisfied. Verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages? For what does not satisfy? You guys that are kind of old enough and intelligent enough to, to understand what's being said here, listen to this. This is God saying, why are you living your life the way you're living it when what you're living it for never pays off? Why do you spend your money? Why do you spend your wages? Why do you spend your energy pursuing something that has never and will never satisfy you? Now, there's a mystery about this group of people. See if you can follow with me. It's kind of hard to explain, but I saw this mystery. It's amazing to me that these people who really aren't thirsty, but they're not satisfied. Oh, they're not broke. They're not broke. The first group's broke who have no money. This group, they've got money, but they're just wasting it and spending on stuff that doesn't, doesn't satisfy. The first group, they're out of options. The second group, we're not out of options. We still got plenty of options. We still got plenty of money. We still got plenty of energy. We still have plenty of opportunities. We still have tomorrow. And perhaps, and God says, why do you keep doing that? And it never satisfies you. Here's the mystery. It seems to me like these people who aren't thirsty but aren't satisfied, it seems to me they're not thirsty because God has been so good to them. They're the ones who have a bunch of God's blessings. In fact, they've got so much of God's blessings that they have forgotten God. They've got time. They've got energy. Like some of you, they've got looks and talent and a brain and opportunities and relationships and possessions and leisure. You can buy what you want to buy. You can pursue what you want to pursue. You can really almost obtain what you want to obtain. You've got time. You, you've got the resources. You've got privileges out the wazoo. And where did all those privileges come from? They came from God. There's some people here, you are so blessed. But you're using all of those blessings trying to pursue something that never will quench your thirst. Answer this honestly to yourself. Are you or are you not satisfied with life? That is, a, I wish I could sit down with every person individually in this room and just ask you that one question. Are you honestly satisfied with life? And you might say to me, well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Do you have peace? Okay, let's look. Water, life, milk. Do you have strength, endurance, perseverance, wine? Is life exhilarating to you? I mean, can you put your head on your pillow at night 
regardless of circumstances? And can you honestly say, God, this is so good. I'm going to tell you something. If you come to Christ, and it's not about all the blessings, it's about your relationship, and you drink of this water, you will be satisfied, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. That is either a truth or Jesus is a liar. No other options. I think of this, this group of people who, who aren't thirsty. No desire for God and a deeper relationship with his son Christ. No desire for the things of God. I, I don't want to eat what you've got to offer, God. I'm, I'm still looking for this. They've, they've got this gospel story. Everybody's got a gospel story. You've got a gospel story. Your gospel story is like everybody else. Here's the way it goes. Here's how life should be. Here's how my life should be. But my life isn't like it should be because. And my life could be like it should be if only. And so if only this would happen, then I could live the life I'm supposed to live. You've got one of those stories. And if your if only isn't Jesus Christ, then you're like these people who aren't thirsty, but you're still pursuing something, but you're still not satisfied. I think of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Here's this man, he's a king. He had more time, he had more money, he had more resources. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, I went there and stayed there as long as I wanted to and drank as much of that as I wanted to drink. I drank more than anybody else had ever drunk before, and yet I came away empty. And then I did it here, and 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 I did it here. Nothing satisfied. My, my prayer, you know what my prayer is? I'm not sure I want to pray that God will take some of your blessings away. But I don't know this. I want to pray that God does whatever God has to do until everybody, everywhere, till we come to the place where we say, oh, there is a thirsting in my heart, in my life, and in my soul that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. Because if you don't do that, you'll end up spending eternity without him. If there's one more group of people I want to call your attention to, it's, they really not, they don't come out in this passage of Scripture, but they're there in the book of, of Isaiah. We haven't talked about them, and that's probably something if I could do all this study over again, I, I would do differently. Back in Isaiah chapter 10, God speaks about a group of people that he calls the remnant. Now, a remnant is a smaller portion of, 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 of the big piece. And you just need to understand in both the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says, I've always had a remnant. And, and here's what that means. There's always been a small group of people, God's people, who got it. It's the only way I know how to put it. They got it. And so a third group of people here are a group of people who they hear this invitation and they're not thirsty. And the reason they're not thirsty is because they've already been drinking. And they've been drinking the right stuff. 
They've already come to God. God has always had a group of people, even if you go all the way back, coming out of Israel and in the wilderness, moving to the promised land. you got a Joshua and a Caleb. God's always had a group of people who, even though nobody else was getting it and no one else was being satisfied, they did because their faith was in God. And so there's three groups of people here this morning. You're somewhere. You're either here and you're thirsty and you're saying, oh, if God can give me something to drink, it is time for me to drink from that fountain. Or you're here and you're not thirsty and you're not satisfied and you're still not willing to stop and take God up on surrendering your life to him. Or you're here this morning and you say, I can be a witness and I can give a testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ actually satisfies um, it's not bragging, it's just testifying. I'm in that last group. I have been to this fountain, and it is satisfying. I have discovered, we've talked about four great truths about God that I have discovered. Here's what I've discovered, and here's what I live in, and here's what I rejoice in. These are truths about God. When you quit pursuing all the other junk and you turn to him, here's what God gives you in himself. God says, first of all, that he's great. That means he's in control, he's in charge. Folks, you do not know how satisfying it is for me to not have to be in charge of anything but put it all in God's hands. You do not know how liberating it is when you finally figure out that you can't change people. That is liberating. Some of you need to find this, this liberation, this freedom, this satisfaction that comes when you figure out that God is God and you're not, and you don't have to be. God's the one who's great, not us. That's satisfying. Second truth, that God is glorious. God is so glorious that he's the only one to be feared. He's the only one to be pleased. Can I tell you something else that satisfies my life greatly? I do not have to please people. I have to please the glorious one, and the glorious one is God. And by the way, God is easier to please than people. And the reason God is easier to please than people is because everything we need to be found pleasing in His sight, He gives us as a free gift in His Son, Jesus Christ. Woohoo! How satisfying is that? The third truth about God, he's great, he's glorious, and he's good. He's good. And when you figure out that God is good, you don't have to chase all those other things that aren't. You ever go to the kitchen like I do sometimes, saying at night, she'll say, you hungry? I say, yeah, what do you want? I don't know. And I open up the refrigerator, and I take out the package of ham, and I'll eat a piece of it and put it in there. I really think I want that. Go over to the cupboard, and here's some almonds, you know, i Eat that? I don't, I don't know what I want. While I'm thinking, I'm going on a cup of cereal, you know? What do I really want? And I'm chasing one thing to the another, to the other, to the other. And when you figure out that God is good in life, you can quit chasing everything that's not. And how satisfying this. Let me tell you my favorite truth about God. He's great, he's glorious, he's good, and he's gracious. Grace greater than all my sins. He is so gracious that I do not have to perform to earn his acceptance. 
some of you need to get off the performance treadmill. You're dying on that thing. And it tells. See, there's a group of people. There's always been this group of people who say, God, I believe. I believe. I've, I've, I've been there. I've tried that. I've done that. I've had, but I've come to you and you satisfy. And there's people in this room who right now could say, I'll be a witness. He satisfies. He's good. I might not be jolly all the time, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ satisfies. He gives life. He's alive, and he's made me alive. And you could say, that's me. You're not perfect. You don't have everything together, but you've got life in Jesus Christ, and you know it. Those are the three groups of people. Now, I'm going to ask our praise team to come back up here, and we're, we're going to close. And as they're coming, let me show you one more verse in, in Isaiah 55, if you would. Um, this is a, verse 9 is one of those famous verses. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever heard that before? God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts. Okay. And then verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch this. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. God says, when I send forth my word, it will not come back to me without doing what I intended for it to do. I want to tell you something. I have never in my life, ever, had this much confidence in my preaching. I just never have. I mean, I never think it's clear enough and adequate enough. And, and guys, and, and if you've never done it, to take the holy, living, powerful word of God and being trusted with it, to open it up and to serve up the bread of life, that's a sobering thing. It scares me. People say, you get nervous before you preach? You better believe I get nervous. Before I preach, while I'm preaching, and after. I've, I've, I've kind of been envious of guys who, who just, you know, they, they got this mind and this delivery and all that. And I've just never had that kind of, kind of confidence. But I love this passage because God says, I never intended for you to have confidence in your preaching. You want to have confidence in anything, Jeff, have confidence in my word. Because when my word goes forth, it will not return unto me without doing exactly what I intend for it to do. Now, I can have confidence in that. And God's word has gone forth this morning. I have read it. And it's found its mark. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it found its mark. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, God brought somebody here today thirsty. And God says, I'm going to get them there because my word is going to speak to their thirsty soul. And I'm going to give them life. In fact, God, God brought somebody here today. And you've realized, not because of anything I've said, you've realized from the living word of God that you're one of those people. You're not thirsty. You can drink anywhere, anytime, for as long as you want to drink because God has blessed you abundantly but you're not satisfied. 
The Holy Spirit of God's opened your eyes to the own discontentment of your soul. Praise God. Now you can drink. Drink freely. And have life and have it abundantly. And God has brought some of us here this morning just so we can, we can say, hot diggity dog. This is good. This is good. Jesus is alive and he satisfies. And the rest of the world can be spinning out of control and running around like chicken little. But we can say, we have a Savior. We have hope. We have a well. We have a fountain. We have a peace that passes understanding. We have hope. Because Jesus has paid it all and he's offered it all to us. God has spoken. He's found his mark. We're going to sing. I'm going to stand here. You might want to come and find a place to kneel and pray. You might want to come and, and, and say, Pastor Jeff, I want to start following Jesus. If you don't want to do that, before you leave, come find me. Come find somebody on staff. Fill out a card that's back there. Give us your name and give us a contact email or phone number. We'll call you. We'll sit down. We'll take the time to, to begin to answer some questions. But you might want to come this morning and either thank God or come this morning and say, it's time for me to start following Jesus. If God's inviting, I'm coming. Let God speak to your heart. We're going to stand together. And God, I pray that you'll speak, you'll issue an invitation in a way that only you can do, and that you'll find us responsive people. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's